Hello everyone, welcome back to the Knowledge Group podcast where we're taking a look at what our speakers are covering at upcoming Knowledge Group events. This time we're turning our attention to the legal and economic implications of the Supreme Court's Amex decision and what you should know. Although the webcast went live Thursday, January 10th, it is available on demand to listen to at any time. You'll find all the instructions you need to get a hold of that recording, as well as the code PODCAST25 that'll get you 25% off that first webcast registration. We were joined by Alan Frankel, President and Founder of Coherent Economics LLC, and Rob Kneiper, PhD, an economics expert and an expert consultant at Infotech Incorporated. Let's hear from them now. I'm Alan Frankel. I'm President of Coherent Economics in Chicago. Um, I'm an economist. I've been doing litigation consulting for 34 years. Uh, I have a PhD from the University of Chicago. Um, I'm going to be speaking about the Supreme Court's decision in Amex and what it means, um, what it might mean, and um, you know, might give some practical advice um, for litigants and for companies that uh, might face litigation sometime uh, that might arguably operate in a two-sided market uh, or uh, be a customer. Uh, or potential victim of market power or monopoly conduct in a two-sided market or something that could be alleged to be a two-sided market. Um, so the, the first point I'll, I'll cover is why I think the Supreme Court made a mistake. It made a number of mistakes, but generally, it, um, in my view, and I've, I've looked deeply into the history of payments, and it's a quite frustrating decision because um, the Supreme Court kind of misreads the the history and the status of steering and, and what it does and what anti-steering rules do. Steering is part of the fabric uh, of the competitive market economy. It, it's all around us. Um, merchants set different prices for different products sometimes. Uh, sometimes they set the same price for different products. Um, or for different qualities of product, uh, and and we rely generally on free markets to determine what gets set at the same price and what gets set at different prices. And Amex's rule forbids merchants from steering, from encouraging customers uh, to use lower-cost payments. Uh, in my view, it uh, created and exploited a market inefficiency rather than solving one. So I'll go and explain that. Uh, in our program, um, the the next um, topic though is what happens next. You know what? So the Supreme Court made a mistake, but we have to live with it. Um, in my view, courts tend to grapple with complex economic problems uh, in antitrust cases all the time, and they try to get it right. And they will try. In my view, I hope to digest the Amex uh, decision and interpret it in a way that kind of minimizes the harm from that decision and pigeonholes the conduct um, rather narrowly um, in many cases um, rather than immunizing a conduct. Um, but it's going to be a difficult process. Some might read Amex as a process uh, case in which uh, the DOJ failed to meet its burden of proof. But you know, more broadly, the literal reading of the Amex decision seems to call into question the, 
how we do rule of reason cases in antitrust generally. To, to put a finer point on that, if a plaintiff, as the court found, ha- has the burden to show overall harm in a two-sided market, in other words, in the credit card industry, um, higher merchant fees are harm merchants, um, but were alleged to benefit cardholders in a, in a different, in what I view to be a different product market, uh, but in any event, a different set of parties are the beneficiaries of the conduct, then suffer the harm from the conduct. Um, now, even that's a nuanced issue, and, and in my view, all consumers in the aggregate are harmed by these, pro- by these uh, practices. Uh, but if in a two-sided market the plaintiff has the obligation to show harm to a, um, a net harm overall, meaning the harm to one party um, minus the benefit that a different party gets, why should that be a, a harder burden um, for a one-sided plaintiff? Um, I'm sorry. Why, why should that be? Um, why should that be an easier path for a two-sided market when a different beneficiary, a different party is the beneficiary, than in a one-sided market where the same party is the beneficiary? So, um, for example, resale price maintenance is a classic economic. Uh, example of a vertical restraint, which economists say sometimes uh, might have beneficial effects. And the idea there is the party paying a higher price because of RPM might actually be benefited, or that class of individuals that pay the higher price might also get the benefits. Uh, And and the the common example is retailers um, are forced to to charge a high, high price, uh, as a result, they compete on other dimensions and offer services, uh, selling services and showrooms and experienced personnel and maintenance. And, and the idea is that the, the people would be happy to pay a little bit higher price to get those, those additional services, and the people paying the higher price are overall better off. Even if there are some individuals who don't need the services, Consumers of the product as a whole, that group, that class of consumers, buyers of, of um, jewelry, say, um, benefit by the experienced uh, salespeople in showrooms um, and, and the like and are better off. So why should, in a, two, in a rule of reason case, um, you know, I note the Supreme Court uh, notes in passing in dicta that, um, that it was undisputed in the case that there's a three-step burden-shifting exercise in rule-of-reason cases. But they seem to blow that up. They seem, right, if, the, um, if, if a plaintiff in a RPM case, for example, um, shows that there's harm to the buyers, they paid a higher price, whose burden is it now to show that, the, that there's overall harm, that the benefits to the, to the same buyers don't outweigh the... Um, or the harm to the buyers from the higher price. Why should it be harder for a plaintiff uh, to sustain that burden when a different set of parties is benefiting than when the very same parties is benefiting? So this could foretell a a reordering of the rule of reason uh, process overall. So that's sort of the main concern that um, some might have about where this will go next. Um, in my view, the decision does not immunize anti-competitive conduct. Um, courts will still have to, in the, in, the, uh, in the end, get to an efficient 
uh, result. It would be, um, uh, I think there will be a strong force uh, pulling courts and the Supreme Court ultimately uh, towards getting to, to efficient, competitive outcomes in cases. And if they need to walk back from Amex a bit or pigeonhole it as a burden, uh, a, a failure to, to meet the burden of proof in that particular case, maybe there will be ways to do that. Um, I'll end with some notes on, you know, what parties should do. Um, I think plaintiffs um, need, obviously, to explore two-sided defenses thoroughly in the discovery process and in the pleading process. Um, and defendants um, should offer them up uh, voluntarily and early and often and should make it, if they really believe that they have a two-sided defense, um, springing it in, at the last minute in an expert report um, might not be very convincing, but if it's part of, of the, the, um, the record in the case from the very beginning and in the business documents, uh, it might be a, a bit more persuasive. Um, although, you know, I have experience with uh, parties that, um, you know, adopt this as a mantra. Um, I'll make one final point which is that these two-sided defenses, if the burden really is on the plaintiff to show overall harm, that's a burden of proof that might be insurmountable in many cases uh, if the court's going to require precise quantification of these effects. I was involved in one two-sided case where the, ben the harm to parties on one side was alleged or claimed by the defendant to be more than offset by enhanced user experience on the other side of the market. Well, they didn't offer a way to quantify or if the price goes up by a factor of two or three on one side, but there's enhanced user experience on the other, is that the plaintiff's burden to quantify and value that overall? Um, you know, we don't uh, normally in one-sided cases require precise quantification. So why in a two-sided case where it's a different set of beneficiaries should the burden be harder and higher on plaintiffs uh, to overcome. So I have significant concerns about where this is going to go, um, but I'm guardedly hopeful and optimistic that in the end courts will gravitate towards sensible, efficient outcomes. Hi, I'm Rob Kniper, and I'm an economist uh, with Infotech, uh, which is out of Gainesville, Florida. Um, I have been working as an antitrust economist for 28 years now, over 10 years of which was with the Federal Trade Commission. Uh, I have worked extensively in, in markets that have uh, aspects of them uh, which could be called two-sided or in, in the academic literature that's sometimes called multi-sided platforms. Uh, and I'll be, along with Alan, focused on uh, some of the key implications of the Supreme Court's uh, American Express decision. Uh, the first area I'm going to focus on is is the issue of how broad the impact will be. Uh, there is part of the decision that notes that the two-sided arguments that the Supreme Court made are limited to transactional two-sided markets, but there's other language in the decision that suggests that the application might be broader than that. So one of the issues I'm going to address is focus on some of the industries and some of the larger companies that uh, may be able to 
uh, apply a two-sided argument. Um, there is an there is a difference of opinion in interpreting the decision in terms of it having a narrow impact, which some which some people think it will have, and uh, versus having a broader impact. And I'm going to discuss what I think is the potentially broad impact of the decision. In addition to that, I'm going to discuss um, some of the challenges and uncertainties in applying uh, the standards uh, that are laid out in the decision and the lack of standards laid out in the decision. The question is if, if we are in a two-sided market context based on some of the criteria outlined by the Supreme Court in terms of measuring anti-competitive effects, how are we going to do that? Uh, what are we going to do on both sides of the market? Uh, do we need to have market power on both sides of the market to have a concern for competitive effects or anti-competitive effects? Um, how do we do this, uh, the, the three-step analysis in terms of what part of the analysis is in the initial phase of the burden on the plaintiffs versus the, the burden, um, the offsetting burden of, of the defendant? How do we interpret that based on the Supreme Court's decision? And how is it going to apply in terms of uh, things like damages and class certification? A lot of that is not clear from the decision. And I'm going to talk through some of the some of the challenges and some of the uncertainties in trying to potentially bring a uh, two-sided case and demonstrate anti-competitive effects. And lastly, I'm going to be talking about applicability beyond uh, the two-sided market context. Uh, at least some of the decision addressed antitrust cases more generally and, and raised some hurdles. And arguably, there are now higher standards to prove anti-competitive effects. Um, some of the interesting aspects of the decision are most obviously the requirement of market definition in, in vertical cases, uh, which, which appears to be new, but also the treatment of things like efficiencies uh, the Supreme Court certainly very easily embraced the efficiency arguments in in this case, and um, and and so what are the implications generally for uh, efficiency arguments and for vertical cases and other types of antitrust cases going forward, uh, given the Supreme Court's decision in American Express, and um, and and we'll kind of wrap things up by talking about where are we going from here? What, what does the road uh, roadmap look like for antitrust cases and for potential two-sided cases? Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the Knowledge Group podcast. Don't forget all the information that you need to sign up and take part will be found in the description box down below. The code podcast25 will also be found there, giving you 25% off that first webcast registration. And until next time, everyone, take care. Bye now.